welcome to the Basic Bible Podcast, and we're on episode six. And thank you all for joining us today. We are joined with a special guest, our very first now over the phone guest, uh, Pastor James White. So, uh, James, welcome to the podcast. Appreciate it, man. I'm glad to be on here with you. Now, we should start just with a honest confession, and uh, you are not James R. White of Alpha and Omega Ministries. Is that true? That is true. And people are clicking off as we speak. But um, you're still welcome on the podcast, and we want to talk about um, what it means to be a pastor. We're talking about the pastorate here. It is the month of October. It is um, Pastor Appreciation Month, and so... Uh, James, just kind of start off talking about uh, a little bit about yourself, your church, the church that you pastor there in Alabama, and uh, let's kind of start off there. All right. Well, first of all, um, I don't know how much transparency he wants to have in his podcast, but um, apparently we don't have good internet service in (laughs) in Alabama. Um, We've had some issues with my internet, apparently, Uh, but I'm in Vernon, Alabama. I pastor Lighthouse Community Church. Um, Vernon, um, you won't know where Vernon is. It's, um, it's about an hour and 15 minutes, uh, away from Tuscaloosa and about two hours from Birmingham, uh, right near the state line of Mississippi. Um, so it's a small town here of about 2000. Uh, the church I pastor is a church of about 40. Um, and the church has been in existence for about eight years now. I'm the second pastor. I came in after the one that planted the church, uh, had left and took another position uh, in a different area. And so I came in as the first pastor of the church. Um, And so it's been a very interesting um, three years that I've Hmm. been here. Uh, It's been fun. It's been uh, very discouraging at times, but very encouraging. And um, through it all, I have had to trust in God more. and I've developed a lot in my preaching and teaching, and so excited about what God is doing in that. Uh, a big area of my life, though, is I am married to my wonderful wife, Sarah. We have been married for four years now, um, and then I uh, am a seminary student at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. I go via online and Extension Center to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, Roll Tide. Um, and then I work with the United States Postal Service, and so I have that's my life in, in a nutshell. Well, and of course, you, you left out the the biggest part of your life, the the, the part that made you uh, famous worldwide, and that's the Everyday Ministry Podcast. Tell us about that. Well, I think the the, the term famous is relative in that statement. Um, with about fifty listeners, I don't know if we can call me famous, but. Hey, I, uh, it's it's bigger than our podcast the, right now, so that 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 counts. Um, I'm one of the three co-hosts of our podcast. Uh, I'm the one that really originated and jump started it um, because out of the three of us, I'm more of the tech tech guy out of all of us. And so we started the podcast back in May, um, and it's called the Everyday Ministry Podcast, and um, it's really it's simply that it's uh, gathering together with everyday uh, ministers, everyday pastors, and uh, myself, I'm a pastor, and the other two are youth pastors. Uh, we get together and we talk about ministry. Uh, we also do interviews with individuals. Uh, to be a pastor, a worship pastor, uh, we're looking at doing director of missions uh, if you're part of the Baptist Association and 
you might know what that is. And then we're looking at doing uh, BCM directors and uh, professors and just different things. That, well, when you uh, get to Christian school, teacher, let me ministry. know. Oh, definitely <laughs> will. We'll have to, uh, we're, we're actually planned out for about a year now. So, uh, But I think that's actually on our list. So I might have to um, get up with you. That would be a good podcast. <laughs> um, and so our podcast is a simple format. It's a lot like this one. It's about 24 minutes long. And we just talk about ministry. Um, and so it's something I enjoy, something I love talking about. And so that's why I started the podcast. All right. And so make sure to go out and check the uh, Everyday Ministry podcast. Of course, you can't do that until you are up to date on your basic Bible podcast. But as soon as you're done with that, go check out Everyday Ministry podcast. We can find that on iTunes and your typical podcast catchers. For sure. All right. Well, let's uh, jump into our show today. And I say that because we've uh, <laughs> we talked about transparency earlier. This is our, what, third attempt um, at recording. Uh, actually, third attempt at scheduling. And then tonight, uh, well, over an hour ago now, we first started trying to record, and we've had all sorts of mishaps. And uh, so I'm, I'm thankful right now I can hear you, you can hear me, and so far nothing's exploded. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> So let's jump into and talk about our, our topic, the pastorate. So uh, talk to us about the the role of the pastor. What is the role of the pastor, biblically speaking? Well, um, biblically, the pastor is, um, uh, I think most people that's listening to this might would know what a pastor is. But right. let's start there. Uh, the pastor is a, is a man of God that is called by God to shepherd uh, a certain body of believers, a congregation that he has placed uh, under their shepherding. Um, but when I think about the job of the pastor and the role of the pastor, um, I really think about Ephesians chapter 4. Um, mm. And we, we'll read 1 through 13, and then we'll talk about a little bit of it. It says uh, this, And he gave apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the church of Christ, until we all uh, attain to the unity of the faith, and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure, the stature, and fullness of Christ. Um, and really, when I read this verse and thinking of the pastorate and the, the responsibility of the pastor, um, I really think about this idea of equipping the saints for the work of ministry and building up the body of Christ. Mm. Um, the pastor's job is to build up the body of Christ in such a way that it's ready to do the work of ministry. Um, and that means that the pastor, first and foremost, it teaches the Word of God and preaches the Word of God regularly and makes sure that the gospel is the center of everything that goes on in the church, right. from the events, from the worship, from the, the teaching, the preaching, the scripture, all of that. Make sure the gospel is the center of it and then teach the people in the congregation how to do the work of ministry. Mm. Um, and I think this is such... Uh, as we said before in our previous recordings, um, I said it at a different time, but um, I really, when I think of this topic and this idea of equipping the saints for the work of ministry, um, I've just been alarmed by the fact that this doesn't happen in a lot of churches for whatever the reasoning is. Um, because I remember when I first got to my church, um, you know, I asked them, you know, how many of you know how to share the gospel and how many of you know how to make disciples? And how do, how do you, how many of you know how to teach someone how to follow after Jesus? Um, and for whatever reason, if it's a lack of 
effort on their part or for lack of uh, previous help from uh, pastors in their past, uh, about 90% of them said they didn't know how to do any of that. Mm. Um, and so I think we're missing something. I think that the, the, the members of the church aren't ready to do the work of ministry. Um, and I think we'll move into this a little more detailed in a second. Um, but the, the job of, of the pastors to get them ready to do the work of ministry, right. uh, not the pastor to do every work of ministry in the church. Yeah, and that's um, so important because the misconception is I, I go, I show up to church, I sit in my place in the pew, I listen, and I leave. And all the work is done by that guy. You're, you're, our, you're our paid uh, worker. Uh, we pay you to do all this stuff. Um, so if I have someone that needs to hear the gospel, I bring them to church. Or uh, I know someone who's sick, I'm going to give you a call as the pastor. Uh, you better get over there quickly. But this verse is really turning that concept completely around, saying, no, the pastor's job is to equip you to do those things. And that's part of life in the body of Christ. Well, and it's it's like I've, I've told my people so many times, you know, um, you know, we expect the pastors to be the one that disciples people. But let's say uh, an individual has a good friend that comes to Christ, and they have known them for years. Which one does it make more sense? Does it make more sense for me as the person that's never met that individual right. to teach them how to follow Jesus? Or for them that's known, known this individual for years to teach them how to follow Jesus? Because they already know them in and out. They know what makes them tick. They know uh, their, their, their difficulties, their hard times. And so, you know, I, I think so often, like you just said, I think we, um, I think the churches uh, over time have, um, moved away from this and they expect the pastor to do all of it because we paid them to do it. Right. Um, and I, I don't think that's what um, Scripture taught and I don't think that's what God desired or uh, or wanted from the church in general. No, not at all. And again, that's, that's, that's part of being in a body is that yes, you, you have Jesus as the head and you have different parts, but you have everybody doing something. And so it's not just one guy who's up on the podium each week and that's our guy. No, in, in a body that's plural, that's the, you know, with, with, with different parts. And so that we all have to be working together. Otherwise, what's the pastor doing up there? Um, Cause he's really not doing his job. If no one else is doing anything. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. What are we really accomplishing? Right. Um, and I don't, I don't say that to discourage pastors out there when they right. see people not doing anything in the church because it takes time. Yeah. Um, but I do say that to say if, that, if over time you don't see something, maybe we do need to readdress how we're doing things in our churches. Well, and that also requires a bit of humility from the pastor as well to be able to step back and say, okay, now you do this. I'm not, you know, because, you know, there, there are folks that tend to be a bit controlling or a bit – uh, this has to be done a certain way, so therefore I'm going to do this. And for the pastor, say, all right, I, I've taught you, and now you're going to carry on this mantle, so to speak. Well, and I think later on, you know, we're going to kind of talk about some of the difficulties of passion or the right. things that we run into. Um, I think a lot of times, too, um, pastors tend to focus on the little things more than they do the big things. Yeah. So they try to they try to run the church in small ways. When, when a pastor's job is ultimately to teach and to preach and yeah. to proclaim Christ. Uh, but a lot of times pastors worry about, you know, the pragmatic things of ministry. Where mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's not important. Correct. Uh, 
but I think through the preaching of God's word, you can lead change in those areas yeah. without getting in the trenches and arguing over things. Right. Well, let's, let's trying to be dogmatic. Let's go to First Peter, and let's talk about what the role of the pastor is. We kind of talk about what the role of the pastor isn't, so to speak. But First um, yeah. Peter 5, uh, verse 1 says, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker of the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So I think the, the emphasis there is in verse 2, shepherd the flock of God. What does that look like practically? Well, I think it's got to begin with looking at what a shepherd does in a, a, a shepherd of sheep, um, per se, of animals. Uh, a shepherd of sheep, what they do is they would lead the sheep wherever direction they may be going. And a lot of times they what they actually do is they get out in front of the sheep and they guide the sheep. Hmm. Um, and so when I think of a pastor, I think it's got to begin there. It's that a pastor is one that is leading by example. Yeah. Uh, and so if we expect our congregation to share the gospel, that means as pastors you're sharing the gospel in, not right. only in the pulpit but also in your individual lives. Um, and so, and then the next thing I think of is this idea in verse two, it says exercising oversight. Mm. Uh, a pastor is the one to oversee the church. They exercise it. They guide the church. They lead the church in the direction it goes. Um, not only in a vision mindset that we so often talk about in modern day, uh, church, but in everything that we do in the church and make sure that Christ is the center of the church and make sure that the, the, as we talked about previously, that the, they're guiding the people to be ready to do the work of ministry. Hmm. Um, but then he goes on and he tells them how not to do that. He says, exercise oversight. He says, don't do it under compulsion. Don't do it out of, uh, obligation. Don't do it out of anything of that nature. Um, uh, but do it willingly. Um, and what, I think this is something that we can over, overlook sometimes, but uh, as a pastor, what that means is that you have a calling by God on your life, Yeah, that God has called you to lead a congregation. And so essentially what's going on is that God is inviting you to do uh, and be a part of the work he's doing in that church. Um, and so that right there should guide us to do it willingly, if nothing else, is that God, uh, for whatever reason, he desires to use us in a way that we don't deserve for him to use us. Right. Uh, we don't deserve for him to save us first and foremost, but we definitely don't deserve for him to use us in ministry. Yeah. Um, and then he goes on to say, and he says, not out of shameful gain, but eagerly. eagerly. Um, and though I think in most churches, this is probably not the case, <laughs> right. uh, but this uh, but we do see a big picture of that, right? You, yeah. You're bigger, sometimes your larger congregations or your televangelists or whatever you want to point them out as, they will do this thing out of shameful gain. Um, but I think a lot of times when we think of that shameful gain, we think of financially. Right. Uh, but there's, there's other things that can drive some people to do it for the wrong motives. It could be getting attention or the esteem of being a pastor. And so, first and foremost, in this, you know, he says, "Don't do it out of this shameful game." You know, that's eagerly. that's really uh, 
really key. Um, that hit homes with me. That it, you know, it there is a ego that can be developed as a pastor. Um, and, and I know people and I, and I, I, I fought this temptation for quite some time. Now I'm not a pastor and I think honestly, this is one of the reasons why, um, because it is easy to get a big head when everyone is focused on you. Um, you know, it just give you a sense of pride. And, uh, you know, so I'm really glad that you brought that up because I don't, as you said, I don't think people think through that. Um, because not everyone who, who enters into the pastor may have the, the most pure motives that typically are associated with someone who enters into ministry. Well, it's even you think about, um, and I know I'm trying to get, I'm kind of getting ahead of ourselves. Um, but you think if I, I believe it's first Timothy, uh, chapter three, verses, uh, six, he says he must not be a recent convert yeah. or he may be puffed up and right. conceit and fall into tem- uh, condemnation of the devil is that there is, a, there is a nature of being puffed up in this. Mm. And so I think that's why Paul tell, tells Timothy that when you're looking for an elder, to make sure it's not a recent convert, and and then that that can still plague the individual's heart if they've known if they've been with Christ for a long time. Right. Is that this this egotistical mindset can can come up, and you've probably you can probably see it in yourself sometimes. Even think about doing a podcast. Yeah. Because um, I even find myself I'll be checking the downloads, you know, one, right. two three times a week, and I'm like, why am I really doing? Wait, this? you only you know, do it two or three times a week. Well, no, I'm being. You don't check it every morning. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, if I don't have to work the next morning, I definitely do. But um, and that's what I'm saying. And, and uh, this happens in everybody's life. Right. I mean, I don't care what you do. I mean, but speaking of pastors in general, I mean, this is something we have to guard our heart against. Right. Um, like for me, for my, I want to give a personal example of this. It's one thing that I've made a priority in my past is allowing other people to preach. Um, mm. And that way they're hearing from other people, but to prevent this mindset in myself. But I had some pushback from the congregation at one point because they expected the pastor to be the one preaching. And I can understand that to some extent. Um, But then, you know, I had to guard guard my heart in that moment because it was easy for me to say, you know, it's because of who I am. And, you know, and I had to, I had to crucify that in my life when Mm. then that thought popped up, but, uh, it's something that comes up over time. Right. Uh, but to move on, to move on past it all, it says not domineering over those in your charge, um, but being an example to the flock. Um, I think that is one of the most crucial things right there is not being domineering. And yeah. we kind of talked about that a minute ago, but, um, you know, you got to lead people graciously. You think about the way, Christ led the disciples. Um, obviously, when you read through the Gospels, you see he, he said some bold things at times. But he was also compassionate for, for those that lacked understanding, and he guided them in a gracious way uh, most of the time. And then, obviously, whenever he felt the need to address it in a different way, he did. Um, but I think so often pastors are trying to be dominating over those that are in char- they're in charge of. And, um, you know, you can't beat someone into submission if it's right. a, you know, a mental mindset. And so you have to guide them graciously and, and slowly. Um, and I think it goes back to how I started off this ex- explaining the pastor is that you have to be the example to the flock. Right. You have to guide them by example. 
Um, you have to be in the trenches with them. You have to be doing ministry with them. Right. Um, you have to be in God's word to, I know this may be a crazy thought for some, but you have to be dedicated to God's word to teach God's word. Yeah. Um, and, and so we have to be doing the same thing um, that we're calling our sheep to do because ultimately, um, he, like he says in verse four, and when the chief shepherd appears, we too are shepherds, a pastor yeah. or our sheep, just like the sheep that they lead. It's just a different role and a different responsibility responsibility and calling. Now, you said you have to be in the Word, and I don't think uh, many people understand how easy it is, dangerously easy it is, to preach an entire message and not even crack open a Bible. Um, with all of the commentaries that are out there, all of the websites you can glean uh, outlines from and uh, entire sermons from, uh, it's real easy to lose track of the main thing, which is the Word of God. And so, uh, you know, one of the uh, – in, back in Bible college, I think one of the wisest pieces of advice I received was preach from the overflow, meaning uh, as, God, sure. as, you, as you are gleaning from the Word of God, as that is – overflowing in your heart you're you're then feeding others out of what god's been feeding you um we got to move on a little bit here uh we didn't cover first timothy three kind of the qualifications of a pastor um but i'm seeing that uh, our time is ticking away here so i want to jump into our next section about uh dangers to avoid i want to approach this from two different perspectives first uh we talked a little bit about what uh some of the dangers of the pastor is um and we talked about, you know, I just mentioned not being in the word enough. And we talked about being um, conceited or puffed up and overestimating our importance, uh, inflating our ego. But what are some of the other uh, things a pastor needs to uh, to be on the lookout for? Um, well, I think um, I, to go back to kind of the idea of the preaching of God's word, mm. Um, it's easy to get up there and preach God's word lackadaisical. Hmm. Uh, and it's easy to preach God's word when you haven't first preached it to yourself. Um, and like me personally, I preach through books. Um, and even when you do that, you can kind of find yourself in a routine rather than focusing on what you're feeding your congregation yeah. in the morning. Um, but the big thing I think about is uh, something we can uh, when we look at Hebrews thirteen seventeen, hmm. it says, uh, he says, obey your leaders and submit to them. Uh, and really what I want to focus on is he says after that, he says, for they are keeping watch over your souls. Yeah. And as those who will, will have to give an account. Um, as pastors, you give an account for your congregation, for those that God has placed in your control. And I right. think um, I think the biggest danger we can have is forgetting that we are going to have to be accountable to those that we lead one day. Right. Um, if that be what we teach, if that be the example we set, if that be um, whatever we do, and obviously you're not going to be perfect. The pastor's not perfect. Um, if they were, there wouldn't be no need for Christ, right? Right. So none, none of us are perfect. Um, but I think the biggest thing is not approaching ministry as serious as it really is. Yeah. Um, and that happens for various reasons. You know, maybe you get caught up in the, this may be, and this is a danger too in my personal life, but sometimes we get caught up doing all the right little things 
sometimes it's easy to forget why we're doing them. Hmm. So we get caught up in doing ministry where we forget who we're doing ministry for. Right. And who we're trying to bring glory to in doing so. Um, and, you know, and there's obviously there's a lot of dangers that can come with pastoring. Um, you got to guard your family. Yes. You got to guard your wife, your children. You got to guard uh, your reputation to some extent. You know, you got to, when you counsel and things of that nature, you got to make sure you have the right uh, safeguards in place. Um, there's a lot of dangers that can happen. Yeah. Um, but for me, the biggest one is that a lot of times we're, we don't approach God's word in the right, in the mm. right way. Um, even those that preach expository, uh, a lot of times we can approach that with lack of application or we right. can approach it with a running commentary. We've all heard that before. Yeah. Um, and it's easy to do that. I mean, and so uh, for me, that's the biggest dangers. But obviously sure. there's a lot of practical dangers that can happen in ministry. Well, and you mentioned uh, your family, and I've seen too many pastors lose their family, um, more pastors than I'd like to, to, to think about, uh, who get so wrapped up in some of the smaller things or even some of, uh, some of, you know, the theological debates going on and whatnot and, uh, overemphasizing the needs of the people. And I think on the flip side of that, you know, the danger for, uh, people like me, the person in the pew, is also not to guard the pastor's family time. Um, you know, people like me tend to be a time suck. I want to talk about theology. I want to talk about whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, or, you know, I'm in the hospital or my little toe hurts and you've got to come over and, you know, do this, do this. And uh, have you seen that as a problem? And I, get, I don't want to get into personal issues with your church, but um, can that be an issue as well? Well, um, in most cases, I will say it definitely can be. Um, uh, congregation expect you to visit, you know, their great aunt that was in the hospital because they don't know Jesus or uh, something of that nature. But for me personally, I have a great congregation. Um, and so they're very understanding of the fact that I'm bivocational mm. and that I'm in school and I'm in marriage and I'm married and uh, I work a job. They're, they're really understanding of that. Um, and you can't say that about everywhere, but I can right. say that about my church. Um, and I'm glad I can say that. Um, but I think, I think when people find themselves in a situation like my, my, I'm in, a lot of times they can lose sight of actually being there for the people. Mm. Um, and so I would encourage you as a, if there's any pastors listening, you know, uh, guard your family, but you know, minister to your people. Right. Um, if that be going out to lunch, you know, that's part of ministering to your people, getting to know them. You got to know your, your flock that you're guiding and teaching and leading, um, and so, you know, set time for your family. But if your church doesn't demand it of you, set time for your church as well. Mm. well let's get into our, in terms of application, and I want to go quickly here because we're running out of time still. Um, what is it? I guess I have two questions. First, what is it you wish uh, more people understood about your role as pastor and your uh, the struggles you have in the pastorate, or what do you wish the average person in the pew knew about you? Um, so I just admittedly said my church is very understanding yeah. about my time. Uh, I wish people understood more or less the time that it takes to prepare a sermon hmm. um, and what you actually pour out when you pour, when you preach a sermon. Um, and not that I expect uh, uh, congratulations, a uh, great sermon or anything like that, on a regular basis or on Sunday mornings or any time, really. 
Um, but like me personally, you know, I, I try to put, um, you know, eight to 15 hours a week in a sermon. Um, hmm. And some people may think that's crazy, uh, but I've only been preaching three years. So I got to make sure I'm preaching what God's word says. Um, and so uh, I put a good bit of time into a sermon. And sometimes I think uh, people can see the pastor as somebody that gets up there and just talks. Um, but really it takes a lot of time and effort that goes into it. Uh, now, obviously, like you said earlier, there may be some pastors out there that are pulling sermons offline. Obviously, they ain't putting any time into it. Right. Um, but that's the one thing I, I wish people would understand. And if you were talking to somebody that was married, um, I mean, I am married, but if you're talking to somebody married with kids, they would probably wish that the people would understand uh, that their kids aren't perfect or that they, they need time for their family. But I think we had to address that. Um, and then one thing I would tell people out there that are in the congregation, um, though I feel like the pastor's wife is called to be a pastor's wife, uh, they may not be called to a specific area of the mm. church, uh, just like you as an individual is not called to a certain area. Um, like, for example, do you work nursery at your church? Uh, I personally don't, but we have a nursery. Okay. Is that your calling in life? Could you work nursery every Sunday? You know, I think a lot of parents would be complaining when they saw kids duct taped yeah. to the wall if I were in nursery. I, I mean, they would. That's how I would have to do it. Um, I helped my wife this past week in nursery, and I about, I about lost my, my <laughs> hands, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but, you know, don't expect out of the pastor's wife, which you wouldn't expect out of any other woman in hmm. the church. Um, because they're, I mean, I, I know the pastor's called to a different standard, and the, the wife is to a certain extent, by all means, but not to serve in whatever area the church needs right. all the time. Um, and so that's that's kind of what I would say what, to the congregation. All right, and, and you know, a, another follow-up question here, this being uh, Pastor Appreciation Month, uh, what are some appropriate and meaningful ways that church members can show appreciation for their pastor in a way that would actually hit you and strike you as well. That's meaningful. Well, um, for me as an individual, um, I would, I would say, you know, just a simple, uh, we appreciate you to some extent, um, mm. not only in October, but, or is it, is that October or November? October. It's, it's October. Uh, yeah. Uh, not only in October, but throughout the year, appreciate your pastor, um, and pray for your pastor. Tell your pastor you're praying for him. Um, I promise you there's nothing that could be any greater than hearing that. Um, but if you want to do something outside of a simple, we appreciate you, or I'm praying for you, uh, if you wanted to give something um, for the pastors out there with kids, maybe offer to watch their kids so that him and mm-hmm. his wife can go out on a date. Um, or maybe you know, buy your, buy your pastor uh, a gift card to a restaurant and a, a gift card to the movies mm. and let them go out on a date on the church. Um, I think it's the simple thing. So often you may think we have to do a big meal and have a cake and do all of those things, and certainly there's nothing wrong with those. Um, but I think most pastors out there, the simple things. Now, mm. I will say that if anybody in my church is listening and you just want to buy me some books, <laughs> you know, I'm down for that too, because uh, I'm always reading something, and I think most pastors probably are. Right. Um, but I say that jokingly. Don't buy me any books or nothing like that. But just an Amazon gift card will be for your pastor. Amazon gift cards, you know, um, iTunes gift cards, you know, yeah. more Bibles. 
Uh, I, I never have enough of those. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think there's a lot of ways. Um, but I would encourage you as a congregation to, to know your pastor and kind of know what would help yeah. him. Um, um, because if your pastor isn't married, you buy them a $50 gift card to Outback may not be that nice for them. Um, <laughs> but, well, it depends. I mean, you know, I, I could if, use that. I could probably put that away myself, but that's not the healthiest thing. <laughs> No, I definitely could, but I don't, I don't need to. I think we borderline gluttony when we do that. But That's know. a whole different program. We're not going there today. Probably <laughs> <laughs> um, don't our, need to. Our final section here is recommended resources. So uh, what are what are some good books or resources uh, talking about the pastor, maybe uh, from pastors who are struggling or just congregation members trying to figure out uh, who this guy is and what we would expect from him? Um, well... I um we didn't get to address it um but there's one really big topic for me when it comes to the pastorate is um the idea of multiple elders in the church that's kind of how mm. I fall yeah. uh, oh absolutely the way I think a church should operate um I think that's a necessity so, I, yeah I think it is even though my church doesn't currently have any other than myself and the worship pastor um but like I said we're only eight years old so hopefully we can guide towards that right. later. Um, but, uh, there's a good little book by nine marks and I know everybody's not a fan of nine marks. Uh, but there's a guy named Jeremy Ryan. Uh, he wrote a book called church elders, how to shepherd God's people like mm. Jesus, a uh, really informative book. You can read it in about four hours. Uh, and it just addresses that, the elders. And I think it's a really good book for just this topic. Hmm. Um, but another thing is, uh, and I hate to reference two nine marks, but a book that helped me out a lot was a book called Preach, and Mark Dever wrote that oh, book. Oh, yes, yes. Um, and it's a fantastic book, and I will say that the biggest thing I pulled from that book was two things. is an outline of when you're preparing your sermon, questions to ask yourself, steps that you take in preparing a sermon. And the second one, and this has been the most humbling thing for me, is have people um, help you critique your sermons mm. uh, and make sure that you're not preaching anything theoretical or you're not approaching it in a lackadaisical way uh, and do that each week. And me and my worship pastor and another gentleman in the church, we do that every week now since I've read that book. And uh, I can't get a big hit when yeah. I have two gentlemen that tell me, hey, you messed this up this week, or you butchered that sermon, or you could have addressed it in this way, and that would have been a more biblical standpoint. Um, when you have people like that to pull into you, it may hurt a little bit, but that's what we need. We need men to, to speak into our lives. Mm. Um, and then the last thing I would like to encourage pastors, and it's not a book, uh, and I, I address it for my own self, and some people may disagree with me, uh, but I would encourage you to preach uh, expository, uh, mm. expositionally. Um, maybe that doesn't mean preach through whole books at a time, but make sure when you preach God's word, you're breaking down the scripture in such a way that it is what God meant in that scripture. So um, you want them to preach God's word from God's word. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, go to go to your sermon. Uh, preparation time with the scripture rather than a point that you want to make. Well, and we actually have a, that, that's actually going to be a whole different show coming up soon. Um, talking about expository preaching, because that is a, a, a crucial um, thing that we need to understand of what proper preaching actually is. Um, I want to add a couple of resources here. You mentioned um, 
uh, just critiquing messages. And, and as you were saying that, it reminded me of a book uh, by Chris Bronze, who's just like an hour from here where I'm at. Uh, when the Word Leads Your Pastoral Search is, first off, it's a, it's a really interesting book uh, that talks that would help you as a church if you're looking for a pastor, uh, say your pastor just resigned or, or, or whatever. How do you find that next guy? Well, this, this book is a really good, helpful uh, resource. But in that book, there's a there's a section about what preaching is and what to look for in 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 solid preaching. So that's a really good book. Um, I also have the, the classic book, and at least in my mind, on this topic is the Reformed Pastor by uh, uh, Richard Baxter. And uh, again, it's it's an older book, um, so it's going to take some time to get through. But I think it's, it's worth it. Um, Brothers, we are not professionals by John Piper. Uh, I can, I can tell you is a book that really had an impact on me at a, at a young age, um, and then um, the pastor. Uh, I was here to listen to this these lectures live. The pastor as scholar and the scholar as pastor by Piper and D. A. Carson is really good. And then uh, as I'm flying through this, I have to. I'm going to end. And James, I hope this doesn't offend you, but I'm going to end with a non-reformed source. Um, and that I don't, is, it doesn't offend me at all. But but you know, be, you're beating you're a Southern Baptist, right? Yeah. Okay, so you you might not be offended. Criswell's Guidebook for Pastors, um, from the late great W. A. Criswell. Um, I remember reading through that in college, and a lot of good practical information here. Um, that whether you are reformed or not, some things that are good for you to uh, to consider. Well, James, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and. Uh, again, for the listener, uh, James has been incredibly patient as we ha- I had to cancel on him twice. And then as we were going through this tonight, uh, multiple problems over multiple problems. So thank you so much for enduring uh, to, to talk to us. And I, um, I definitely understand the issues of recording online as a podcast. <laughs> no problem at all with that. Man, I really enjoyed uh, being on the podcast with you today. But I really enjoyed the podcast as I've listened to uh, every episode thus far. I may skip this one because <laughs> I don't like hearing myself talk. Uh, but I've really enjoyed it, man. And uh, keep up the work you do. And uh, I think God's definitely going to use it in a mighty way. Well, great. Thank you so much. And thank you all for listening. And again, don't forget to check out the Everyday Ministry podcast. Um, again, you can check that on iTunes or wherever you get your um, your podcast from again only after you've listened to this podcast check out our website at www.basicbiblepodcast.org and uh, you can check us out on twitter at well as well at basic bible cast so uh join us back next week we'll have another fun exciting episode so until then god bless